Welcome to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Stay tuned to find out more. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. This is another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And today we have the author of Transcendence Calling. I'd love to hear her story about the power of Kundalini Kundalini Rising and Spiritual Enlightenment. She is originally from Poland. She's come, been to the States for some time, lived in Hawaii, lived all over. Uh, she has a lot of stories to tell. Uh, there were some highs, there were some lows, and through all of it, she is still here. I guess you could say that she transcended, pun intended, but um bump. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome to our podcast, Monique Rebel. Rebel. Rebel, thank you. That's right. Yes, Rebel. <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's uh, very exciting, and uh, I hope it's going to be fun too. It should yes. be fun. Yeah, we try. We try not to scare anybody off. That hasn't happened yet in a year and a half. So. <laughs> yeah, not to be too intimidated by the whole media. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I love the title of your book because there's so many connotations to it. Uh, Uh Transcendence calling means could mean that it's about to happen, like there's a rapture and we're all going to transcend, or it could be something that happened to each person's internal story where they transcend, and something has to happen where you transcend. But I'd like for you to tell us the reason you were writing the book, but before you go into that, I like, I know that you have, um, you're passionate about art and painting and such, so I, I'd like to go over a little bit over your background before we get to the book. Sure. So I uh, was born in Poland. Uh, it was still communist at the time. My parents were both actors. Um, they divorced pretty. Uh, they they were going to divorce before I was born. So um, altogether, I wasn't. Uh, I grew up with my grandma the first four years of my life, and then I, we moved in with my with my mom. So there is this whole story like. We all have the story of parents and unusual uh, um, family um, because I, uh, I had no brothers or sisters. My mother really didn't want children. So I, uh, I had a lot of time for myself. And uh, from very early on, I always wanted to understand everything. So I had this memory box where I put things <laughs> where, which I didn't understand and then try to, then when the time came years later, I finally was able to understand some of those things. And I, I wanted to be an artist. I always wanted to do acting, but I wasn't allowed to. My mother didn't uh, let me do it. And so I sat and 
drew and painted uh, all my childhood, most of it. Uh, I loved school, but then when, I, uh, when it came to choosing what I would want to do in my life, all I wanted to do is art. And I, I also, because of growing up in a country that was really damaged by the wars, history of Poland, I don't know if you familiar with a little bit it's very uh, very dramatic very uh, difficult history so life around me was not really a lot of fun although I was pretty enthusiastic and and actually a, a pretty happy child I think um, there was so much memories of the Second World War that's all we watched on TV was war movies <laughs> And I grew up uh, wondering about life and thinking, what is, what is the truth? You know, where is it? What's actually, what's my responsibility? What am I supposed to do in life? And uh, when time came, somehow it happened that I left Poland when I was 19 and just threw myself into, <laughs> into life first in, uh, in London, England. Mm -hmm. um, of course, by myself, I didn't know anybody, and, and uh, uh, imagine a lot of adventures already early on. Then um, I kept on painting, I kept on, uh, I kept on working on my art all the time. All I wanted to do was to have time and space to do my work. Mm, I also had a child. I uh, got pregnant, although I didn't intend to. I was very much in love with my boyfriend from Poland. And my daughter was born in Poland, but we left quickly after me and my daughter we left. Then it happened that I, I took my daughter back to Poland so she could be with her dad for a little bit because I didn't have father and I thought it wasn't very good for me. I, I, I really missed my father. Um, so when I left my daughter in Poland, the military coup came, uh, happened and I, I couldn't go back to get my daughter. Eventually it turned out that my daughter was with my mother, who I didn't have a good relationship with. And altogether, there was a lot of personal issues that over, the, over time made me uh, more and more depressed. But that was already when I was in, in the United States. When I came to the United States, I first lived in, in Virginia and then uh, moved to, uh, to Los Angeles. And that's when the experience happened. It happened after a uh, few months of depression. By then, I was already sort of an accomplished artist. So I, I, I had shows of my artwork both in the Netherlands, where I lived in. I lived in Amsterdam for, for uh, some years before coming to the United States. I had uh, in individual shows. I was in group shows. And uh, it was going pretty well, I would say. But when I came to the United States and started living in L.A., uh, 
I had this epiphany uh, at some point when I was working on uh, on a painting um, that made me change my way of working on on my art completely. I didn't I didn't understand it completely, but there were several other incidents or epiphanies in my life which were not completely understood by then, but but, but they were so powerful that they changed a lot in my life. First one was in Poland still when I was uh, reading a, a, a volume of uh, uh, Indian philosophy. I, I intended to do that because I was already a painting and I wanted to learn about learn world philosophy. And it so happened that it was Indian philosophy, and I read something that was real that really struck me, and actually created a very strange uh, uh, sensation, which I write about in the book. That was the first uh, um, experience that was definitely supernatural. I couldn't explain it, mm-hmm. and then the second one that I also write about in my book was when I was uh, painting, um, the title of my, of my uh, work was Understanding Understatement. And that was one of the many titles that I uh, kind of, I, I, I thought about making maybe a painting or maybe uh, writing a poem. I had several titles and then as soon as I got myself a studio to work in in, in LA, I started painting some of those titles. So when that when that when it happened, I uh, entered another dimension through my painting, and I never heard anything. I, I I didn't know anything about that, but it did happen. I suddenly was able to to enter the world uh, that I didn't know existed. Mm. It was an abstract dimension. It was the dimension of concepts, and they were alive. It was everything was alive, and I was in it. At the same time, being able to be myself and and know that there was a painting I was working on, and and there was something I knew. But everything that was that I the, the dimension I entered was simply. It was so much bigger than me and so much bigger than the painting I was working on. So I really, uh, uh, I simply started to work on those paintings for, four, for about almost four years. And I did have shows, but it, it wasn't, my work was, it wasn't like it was selling very well. So I had really, I was struggling to survive. And I also wanted to have my child with me and I couldn't afford it. I was getting more and more depressed. Eventually, one day, I woke up suicidal. I also had strange dreams that were accompanying the, the state of depression. That not, not, they were not necessarily uh, depressive, but they were very uh, revealing. They were those amazing dreams. 
Um, I don't write about them in my book, but they certainly were, I was just, I was visiting different worlds and I didn't know exactly what it was. And then uh, that one day in uh, March 1992, it's been a while, but it was in March 1992, 10th of March, I woke up and I knew that I'm suicidal, I'm just going to kill myself, there is no doubt about it, and then I tried to fight it, and I didn't know how, and then I, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go get those razor blades, I'm just going to do that, to do it. And then, uh, on my way to the store, I, I was still at my place, in my studio, I decided to, to take a shower. I just wanted to stop myself from 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 killing myself, from going to get those razor blades. I just wanted to to feel the water washing over me to 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 soothe myself. And uh, I got into the, this this was a beautiful old Victorian house where I had an attic. That's where I that's where I had my studio. It was a beautiful space. But I was sharing it, sharing bathroom with uh, with uh, uh, several strangers who were living below me. I didn't even really know anybody there. It was pretty new in that place, and uh, that's when it happened. But before it happened, I was trying to I was trying to stop myself from from feeling so bad. And the way I was doing it is what the way I was always trying to do it, which is working through it. Whenever I couldn't, whenever I felt bad, I, I kept on painting. So I learned how to paint no matter what was going on, no matter what my state of mind was. And I just, learned that over the years so at the time when I was feeling uh, horrible and ready to commit suicide I used that same technique and at that moment I was trying to identify my emotion I I was able to pinpoint this emotion and look at it for what it was and try to try to step out of it and when I was stepping out of it, I found myself in this neutral space. It wasn't, it wasn't emotion, it was a neutral emotional state. And I stayed in that state if I kept on focusing my mind on keeping that emotion away and focus on breathing, it was, it was fine. But then, the thoughts would come and, and get me back into the hopelessness of my situation, and I couldn't fight them away. I just couldn't. I tried to figure out what was it that I did wrong, and, and I tried and tried and tried, and, and I couldn't win. I just couldn't figure it out. What, it, what was it that I did wrong to find myself in this situation? And that's when I lost the fight. I, 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 
I lost the fight. I couldn't figure it out, and I surrendered. I agreed to commit suicide. I, I made that decision for good. There was nothing I could do not to not end my life. My life wasn't worth living anymore. And I opened my eyes and left my head, and there it was. There was this incredible rope of rainbow lights flowing. And it was beautiful. I had nothing like that close to my imagination at that point because I, you know, my life was, was, was done. So it was very scary. It was so scary that something like this could exist in, 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 the, in this world. I, I just, I couldn't believe it, but it was there. I wasn't wrong. It was really a rainbow, a rope of light gleaming and moving, dancing. And I had a choice of either running away or staying and watching it. And I decided to stay. I said to myself, no matter what happens, I'm going to watch this. And then the whole process started. I never I was I never heard about anything like that before and I never uh, knew the word Kundalini I never had anything to do with uh, with any spiritual teachers or or hardly ever read anything about spiritual stuff I had experiences that were uh, strange and difficult to explain, impossible to explain. And I even uh, wrote a a, a script with my ex-husband. We wrote a movie script about a travel of a spirit through civilizations, but it was still more of a a fantasy. It was just uh, inspiration that made me me, uh, um, write that and, and also dreams that I had that were also difficult to explain. So when that whole process started, I wasn't afraid anymore. I was ready for it. And it, mm, I don't know if I should, should talk about the whole thing because it takes some time. Mm. But uh, when when I finally calmed down and started to just just and just was quiet and waited for something to happen or didn't know if, if anything would happen after that that light was moving around i uh, I saw pictures there were pictures that I didn't know where they were coming from. It was like movie, but like snippets of uh, of videos or something. And I didn't know what they were. And then I realized that that was actually me as a little child when I was maybe two, three, four years old. And I remember the decisions that I was making at that time. So in other words, I had 
view into my life as I was as I started to make decisions as a little kid and then the whole thing just kept going. I just kept looking at myself the way I'd never seen myself before. And I understood that this is how my personality was shaping the the thoughts that I had. I could I could understand all my all of my thoughts from very from when I was very little and I was just following those thoughts as they as they were developing and the process took maybe a couple of minutes but I could see all of my life and all of my thoughts clearly and they were all coming to the present time and once they came to the present time when I they they vanish so I, I, this is difficult to explain but I think I explained it better in in the book but at at some point every thought that comes to the present moment it disperses it's no no it's resolved so all these thoughts came up to the surface to the present moment and they they dispersed one after another and my mind was free from thoughts and I knew that I and I could make new thoughts <laughs> and and see them also disintegrate after that process took place and actually the last stage of it 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 was clearly uh, the shell that I was wearing the the personality that I was (laughs) that I thought I was disappeared it fell off and my mind was clear and, and thinking perfectly. And so that was one of the, that's one of the stages. Um, that was the, well, I don't know. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say what it was yet because then the next, I write about my experience without explaining it at first. I just write, what happened and all the stages I went through. And then in the last part of the book, I explain what actually happened. Well, let's stay at the, let's stay at the first stage and then we can kind of build. And then if, you know, if we go over time, then we can have you back on. So that's fine. Uh, first, I do want to acknowledge you for going through that story because I could actually see you back in 1992 as you were telling uh-huh. it. And uh, also just a salute to you and telling that story and, and to our audience that can hear it, because uh, some people know from listening to our podcast that you mentioned March 10th, 1992. And in my family, we mark March 11th, 2016, because uh, that's when my sister committed suicide. And it was just huh. interesting how uh, there are a lot of similarities in the stories that you were saying with some stories that some family, you know, I'm in different groups. So a family that have lost, you know, family members and they share similar stories for the kids that 
or a family member that chose to continue living like you did uh, versus yeah. not having a, an answer. So, you know, right. a, a lot of similarities in that sense, but still individual and unique to your story. So I appreciate you sharing that, Monique. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, eventually, I thought it's time to uh, to share it because um, the, the knowledge that I got from it um, can help others. This is the stage of, of uh, my thoughts disintegrating and this joy filling me up. Um, it was accompanied by other sensations of, uh, of, being, uh, of uh, being lifted up and uh, showered in gold speckles. Uh, there was like a gold shower just falling on me. And eventually the, the next stage started. The next stage was uh, um, that's the the fourth chakra. So it's the fourth dimension of perception. This is when um, love comes in. And I didn't know what was going on. I just felt really good. I felt elated, and I, I, I had no more problems. Already at the stage of of, of, of the mind, the mind disintegrating in, in terms of the, the the thoughts are disintegrating, and and leaving me, I had no more problems. I was free. <laughs> but then the next thing happened is that y- y- you, uh, I found myself there was somebody there, there was somebody nearby, somebody reaching for me. And literally, I felt my heart being touched. And it was touched with love. And that was the love that I maybe dreamt of some time ago, or maybe... I thought of, but I could never even imagine it. But there it was. I was, I suddenly fell in love, and that presence fell in love with me. So that's the next stage, the the dimension of love. Um, This is when I understood that this is what Jesus and Buddha were teaching and other spiritual masters were teaching that love. Jesus especially tried to tell people, you just love your neighbor, love everybody. This is all about love. It's, 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 all, it's about love. So I understood that, and I felt I was able to start giving that love to everybody to everyone who can't feel it and feels uh, lonely or or unloved, because the love is there all the time for for everyone. We just have to tap into that dimension. And then the next stage came with uh, incredible music. That I heard at first I thought someone in the house was playing music during the day very loud and I was very surprised but then I realized that the music was just all around me 
And uh, I, the music was amazing, and and these pers these personalities came to me, which I later understood that they were actually ascended masters who were making contact with me, acknowledging my state and acknowledging uh, my transition into the fifth dimension. Um, that's the dimension of communication um, where other beings from other worlds can be we can communicate with where they can help us or give us information, support us and guide us. So in my case, there were ascended masters that came. And after that, the next stage happened, and that was a vision that I eventually was able to understand and that sixth stage, sixth dimension was quite eventful. There were many things happening um, while that transition was going on. But what was already very um, clear was that my mind was extremely clear and powerful and I was able to ask the right questions so at some point I didn't I couldn't understand the, the vision but by asking the right question I was able to find out what the vision was and it was the matrix of creation which I learned, actually even a friend of mine had the same vision, just that vision alone, some other time in his life. So matrix of creation is something that, that appears, can appear in the sixth dimension, in the sixth chakra. Also in the sixth chakra, we are able to understand the complexity of time and space and understand that we are multidimensional beings. Only we are dominated on daily basis by the first three dimensions and the other ones appear to us in the glimpses every now and then. But during a full Kundalini rising, you can perceive all the dimensions. So being in that dimension of the sixth chakra, I knew exactly what was happening. I knew that I was sitting in a bathtub. I knew what time it was. I knew exactly who I was. I knew what was going on. I knew what just had happened and what was happening. And I realized that everybody's, life is already um, designed, it's already done. <laughs> and this is the understanding that comes from, from 
viewing the, the matrix of creation. Um, so once I understood that, that we are, we are already uh, created, our past and future is already created in that matrix. We are those little lights there. Each, everybody's life is already there, <laughs> designed. And that felt a little, I was a little sad about that. I was, oh, this is, this, I wasn't too happy to see that. But then soon after, something else happened. And I, and that's what's called self-realization, which is the self-realization of the soul. Mm. And the soul comes to, uh, soul becomes conscious of its own creation, which is ourselves. So the soul creates, um, creates our challenges in life, and is and it's uh, a soul is, has no, has no uh, is eternal, right? Has no uh, no time, no space, and it's it's eternity. So once you know that you are you are a soul, um, there is for me one question was left: um, Where does the soul get its energy from? <laughs> because soul creates our person our soul creates our person so we kind of self-creating but uh where is the soul coming from and that that's the question that i ask and i'm not gonna tell you the answer because it's in the book oh no i was holding <laughs> on the edge of my seat i just fell <laughs> <laughs> I just fell out of my chair, folks. Oh my goodness! I gotta apply for insurance. Oh no, no. So that's great. That that makes sure that people will definitely check out your book, Transcendence Calling, which is fantastic. Uh, but Malik, let me ask you, since you know, right now it's a you live here in the states, and yeah. it's a political hotbed with parents being separated with from their children. And so you had a similar feeling over 20 years ago. What would you say to those parents that's going through their own turmoil right now? Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. I, I consider myself, and I always did consider myself somebody who can handle a lot. But being separated from, from my daughter it was a, it was a terrible feeling, especially that it took so long. It took forever, and she grew up without me. And the longer it took, the harder it was. I hope, and I and I know now that it's not something that it's going to be going on anymore, right? They're going to be united, and and uh, the parents and the children are going to be united. But these are such uh, deep feelings that we can't we can't even control them these are feelings that are that are so deeply in us 
I, I, I am a high energy, enthusiastic person normally, but there was for years that feeling of, of dull pain that eventually that was what got me. That was what, what made me suicidal was that I was not, I was an absent parent to my daughter. It was something I couldn't get over. So that's my answer to that question, what I think about that. There's a school of thought. Of, resolved. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's yeah. a school of thought that before we incarnate, we have a quote-unquote meeting with our spiritual family, and, you know, you kind of write out your goals and plans during this incarnation. And so I was just wondering if this, that story about the separation from your child, did that bring you closer to your mom and maybe understanding how she may have felt when you weren't around? Actually, uh, my mother never connected with me. Um, when I briefly explained after the experience, I was sort of, I was catapulted to Hawaii and I lived there for two years. Um, I needed that time of being in paradise to, uh, to settle the experience within me. Um, I mentioned to my mother the experience. She laughed at me. She said, ah, you read too many books. Oh, I didn't read any books about that. I didn't know anything about that. But, you know, by then, she couldn't uh, hurt me anymore. She couldn't upset me because I, I, was, I, was, I wasn't a different person. But I reached the, uh, the spiritual enlightenment and... She could not, nobody could hurt me, and, 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 and uh, I could still feel love towards her and compassion without her being, uh, without her negative energy bothering me. But my relationship with my daughter, um, at first it was a little difficult, but now we have the best relationship ever, and she's the most helpful to me in my life. I'm nice. sorry. It's great, always, always great to have a, a happy ending. And absolutely. It's always interesting when, um, you know, we, we speak with people like you and, and see other stories. I'm thinking of uh, Neil Donald Walsh and others where they are like brought to the brink of control, right? And, and you realize how much control they don't have. And when they finally let go, they get this uh, transcendence. And yeah. so I wanted to ask you, since that has happened, you know, what have you been, what has life been like in the following years to access your Kundalini rising where you don't have to go through such turmoil to access it? Oh, Yes, you see, I haven't uh, actually described the, the, the end of the, the experience because I was at the, uh, explaining the, the stages of the sixth chakra. After that 
correct question was asked and I received the answer, the moment I received the answer, I, my consciousness went into the crown chakra and, and the energy was, um, my energy united with everything so at that point there are no thoughts anymore you can't you you want you you may want to think but you can't think anymore there are no thoughts available in that state but consciousness is there consciousness is there all the time and even though we want to look for God or gods those are also in the realm of the sixth chakra the seventh chakra which i call the pure intellect is what uh is where uh understanding of everything takes place but uh at the same time it is a sacred realm everything about everything starting from the fourth chakra is sacred so if you don't have a sacred uh, if you can't find yourself with that sacredness, it's it's almost in, it's impossible to to even then uh, you can discuss it, but you can't find yourself in there. So my life changed because I. Uh, <sighs> I am just like each of us is a child of God and I am we don't know what will happen in our lives we don't know anything we can just we can just let go and relax because because it's all it's all done and to understand that it's it's not it's not easy to understand it but my my life since then since i since i gave up my mind my mind surrender and the experience took place um miracles started to happen all around me my dreams were coming through i uh i I had a wonderful relationship. I lived in a beautiful place for for two years. Then I then the relationship ended, and I went back to Los Angeles to my studio. I decided to to leave LA and come to Reno, and I became a ski bum. For years, I just skied, and that's what I wanted to do all my life, and that's what I did. I just I just spend my time skiing, dancing, just. Uh, Life became a pleasure uh, for the most part. And if it wasn't a pleasure, every difficulty and every problem, um, it's, there is always a good solution. There is always a good solution because the energy that the spirit of what how we call it the spirit I call it consciousness the ultimate consciousness is good it's not a, a, a scary God that we should be afraid of and obey by force but it's a good good wonderful energy if we tap into that energy we can do anything we can go anywhere 
and achieve what we want to achieve. So that is the general uh, uh, outcome of, uh, of spiritual enlightenment or, or self-realization. Um, this is what, what uh, the ultimate truth is, that life is very, very good. And, and uh, there is love all the time. Love is there all the time. But we have to train the lower dimensions, the lower chakras, and cultivate the upper. Because the, the Kundalini is the, is the unit of, in, individual unit of consciousness. And that energy is asleep usually. With most of us, it's asleep at the bottom of the spine. And it happens in times of like uh, uh, near-death experiences sometimes that it, it raises up, it goes up, and very often it reaches the fifth chakra, the fifth dimension. It can jump over other chakras. It can reach the fifth dimension, and that's when people during these near-death experiences uh, have so much help from other beings because that's where their consciousness rise, rises to. If it rises higher uh, to the sixth chakra, there is much more of different, informa- different information. It's more individual. It's less of, uh, of that uh, group connection like in the fifth chakra. But uh, ultimately, all of that is an illusion, right? <laughs> <laughs> all of it. <laughs> all of it is. All of mm-hmm. it is. And mm-hmm. to uh, and to uh, you have to get through all of those dimensions to really see that and to really understand that you're creating your life and you're already destined to to live all that you're living. There is no there is no reason to worry because you're gonna do what you're gonna do, and you don't know what it's gonna be, but you don't have to worry because. If you have faith, and not a belief, I don't believe in anything really still. I never believed before and I don't believe, but I have faith. Faith is powerful. And, and having faith, all these, all these great things like faith, love, trust, they start in the fourth chakra, in the fourth dimension. And that's where the beginning of religion is, but the actual creation of religion is in the sixth dimension, in the sixth chakra where, where uh, gods appear and give us orders and stuff. At least mm. that's what we read about, right? Yeah, we don't, we don't have to go there. We don't have to spend time on that part. Yeah. But, uh, we had, um, we had a, a gentleman, Michael Tamara, who... who who uh, David knows really well, and uh-huh. uh, and he he had five near death experiences, uh, so uh-huh. much so that you know when anyone that we have spoken with that has had that experience, they wanted to stay over on the other side of the veil, and they kind of they you know they came back obviously to tell us the story. Did you have a similar feeling in that this is the first time that all of this was happening? And then it, you kind of come back and you're in the, in the bathtub or wherever you were. 
did you get a sense like, man, I want to go back over there? Or did you feel like it was enough of your Kundalini rising for that time and space that you didn't need to transcend outside of your body? Yeah, once you once you get it, you get it. And if you need to repeat it, that means that it wasn't complete. Because as I said, many times uh, people have near-death experiences and they find themselves in those different realms. And those realms are, there could be a fifth or sixth dimension most of the time, fifth and sixth chakra. But if it doesn't, it doesn't always have to go through the, the seventh chakra. That's a very, the most difficult ones are the ones that have to do with mind and intellect. The third chakra, uh, the energy, Kundalini energy has often a very hard time going through the third chakra. Uh, and in the same way through the seventh, because especially I think these days we don't we don't really contemplate enough we don't think abstractly enough to um to use intellect in that in the way as as a witness we we don't study philosophy we don't care about philosophy we care about money and and survival and holidays and good time and all that stuff, but it really, it really is a matter of having those upper chakras cultivated. So, uh, so at the point when Kundalini can wants to go up, which is it should want to go up, um, at that time it has it can go through. Once it goes through your whole body. Um, there is really no need to wander anymore. There is no, there are no doubts. No, uh, I mean, they, on daily basis, yes, you constantly because I'm here. So yeah, I don't know. It's too hot. It's too warm. You know, what am I gonna say? <laughs> there are all, kinds of, all kinds of little things so we can we can for a moment get trapped in, but knowing that. There is, in fact, a consciousness that's incredibly powerful, so powerful we can't even, we cannot imagine it with our minds. And what it does, it makes everything happen at once simultaneously. There is no time. Everything that's happening is being created anew at every moment. Now that's you. You have to blow your mind to get that straight. <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> it's not something that's so easy to explain. And I, because I took time, I took time to write my book and to explain it simply. I think it's even I explain it in a better way when. I write and when I talk because I'm a visual thinker and I'm my my when I talk I'm a little too fast sometimes mm. but uh, visual thinking is faster than, 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 than mind and 
and I sometimes find myself cutting corners too much and not explaining everything correctly. But I took time in my book to explain all these transitions, what happens in each dimension. And the reason I use the word Kundalini is because nothing else uh, was appropriate. They call it maybe uh, chi or ki mm-hmm. or prana. Yes. Um, but Kundalini is, is the coiled, is the coiled up serpent. And this is what I saw when it came out of me that that rope of light was like a snake. Light, rope of rainbow light. That's how it looked like. And that's why it's called Kundalini because it's really coiled up. And you can yeah. only see that through the third eye, which is the, the sixth chakra. The sixth chakra, fire, holy spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe in any of that before. Before uh, I, I didn't believe in chakras. I thought, oh, yeah, people who believe in that stuff, they must be really lost in life. <laughs> Pot in the kettle for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, and the Kundalini, I didn't know. I, I mean, I, I had to use that word to describe the experience because it's already been described in a similar way, only I don't see, I don't use, I, I mean, it's correct to use chakras as energy centers, but I use uh, them as, uh, I see them as dimensions of perception. The material world is this first dimension, and that's everything material. It's not just our body, or it's not just material things, but it's everything. So if you see yourself as a part of everything without emotions, and without your mind, you know, you belong to this material spectrum, so to speak, of, of, of existence. And then emotions are the second chakra, second dimension, because we always feel the emotions, no matter what. We can't stop them. They'll come up. They always, they'll always come up. Good or bad, they'll come up. And uh, some people think that if you have spirit, if you, uh, if you got spiritual light and it means that you, that you have no feelings or, or, or you you, you just live in another world or something. No, you live right here and have all the experiences that you can have and feel everything very, very well. And, I, and even uh, especially right after for the, for the first well, more than a few years and I still have that, I, I, could, uh, I, I could feel feel people so well i could i could feel what they're thinking uh what they're feeling and i still have connection with uh, the spirits on the mountains here where i live um and they talk to me sometimes but i don't see myself as somebody who uh is uh lost in that stuff you know what i mean i i I just live like like a normal person. Right, you didn't have to be a guru. 
yeah, yeah, you don't have to be, you don't have to, well, for some people I may be, but it's all, it's, a, it's an individual, because guru means light, so it's an individual thing, everything is very individual, um, if somebody, because I do teach sometimes too, and if, if people uh, choose to see me as a guru because they, they find that that's the right relationship, then it works. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't go around thinking that I'm some, somewhere else than everybody else is. I'm just right. going through life like, you know, I just go, I just go through, through life. I just had the experience. And I, You're the ski bump guru. Ski bump guru. Yeah. That's why I moved here, because, because I have 14 miles to... To the ski resort that I just I just love it I just love it nice I, I always wanted to learn skiing really well and so a dream came true like that just dream nice. came true I think you had yeah. a question David you were trying to jump in David well actually uh, Monique answered it it's kind of interesting throughout this whole interview I was like kind of telepathically asking you questions and then you would start talking about it and, and, and inevitably answer the question. <laughs> so, right so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that worked well. <laughs> because you guys are, are psychic, right? Aren't you? Yeah. Both of you? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's psychic, but we just tap in more, maybe. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You have that fifth, that's the fifth chakra. You have developed the fifth chakra. And some yeah. people are just like that. And they, yeah, I, I, I know uh, also uh, several people who, who, who are psychic. And I can be psychic too. I don't practice it in any way, especially, but I, 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 I yes, I definitely relate to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like we've only touched the, the surface. I mean, the hours have flown by. It is at that hour mark. So, Sounds like we need to have you back on in short order. Okay, perfect. Yeah. This so, is, but this is a big story. This is not. This is not. We can't end it in in one hour. And not everything will be explained. And even even if you read the book, there is there is still more. There is always more. Because. And I I think you left yeah. us wanting more. And if you could tell us or tell the audience where they could get your book and where they could find you via your websites and social media, that'd be great. Sure, of course. I'd love to. My book title is Transcendence Calling, The Power of Kundalini Rising and Spiritual Enlightenment. And it's available on Amazon. Uh, And it's available, I think, in Barnes & Noble. It's available in some other online bookstores, but I'm not exactly sure. I know that uh, it's an extended distribution type of thing, so other bookstores uh, online can carry it. And, and um, I have a website that's, that's www.moniquerebel.com where there is more information about the book and about... Uh, sessions that uh, we can have either in person or via Zoom um, or phone also. And uh, 
that's about it, right? Well, it's enough until we hear from you again. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Again. Absolutely. Well, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I'm David. And Monique, it was definitely a pleasure. Let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoy talking to you guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Again. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Listen to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective on Radio Public. It's a free, easy-to-use app that helps listeners like you find and support shows like ours. When you listen to our show on Radio Public, we receive direct financial support every time you hear an episode. Experience our show and Radio Public today by listening to the show link in our episode notes, and thank you for listening. Thanks again for checking out another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast. Please check us out on our website at intrinsicmotivation.life where you can click on the speak pipe button and leave any suggestions for a future podcast that you'd like us to cover. Also check us out on our social media sites. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook page, iTunes podcast, in addition to Stitcher and Google Play, all under Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. Check you out next time. Have a great day.